モーニングプロジェクトプレゼンツ Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to phase two of the generic video game podcast. Molly and I are back to discuss gaming's current events, which span from PlayStation 5's sleek and curvaceous body, which is on the horizon, to Switch's continued dominance. Persona 4 Golden taking the top spot on Steam. Samurai Shodan Neo Geo Collection for free on Epic. TurboGrafx 16 Mini Impressions, Molly's New Digs, and whatever else we can fit in the next 90 minutes. Episode 40 is now underway. So,、um, yes,、yeah, so let me tell you if, if you ever think that in your life there isn't enough panic and worry crushing you down into the ground,、uh, buy a house because that'll solve any of your. Any of your problems of you know, not having that panic that you're really craving. <laughs> It's,、uh, yeah, so I,、uh, I've never owned a home before,、uh, and、uh, we just bought a house. And that is a process that when you have not gone through it,、uh, you cannot understand how weird and complicated it is.、Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what, what, In, in Aunt,、uh, Anthony's luxurious lifestyle, he's purchased before, but I've never bought anything over you know, five digits. So,、oh, yeah. yeah, please. I can barely get、uh, Carl's Jr. breakfast in the morning these days, but continue. <laughs> yeah, so you know, all of a sudden, knowing that I just purchased something that costs $200,000, you know, and that I have that above me for like 30 years is.、Right. is Pretty crazy. Right.、Um, but I gotta tell you, like, like it's, it's weird because, and, and you know you know this because you, you, you're, you rent places, is when, when you're a renter, your mindset is a month, right? Like, Correct. What does it cost me to get through every month of、Correct. my life? So that's what the pricing is. You, you don't think about the entirety of the cost of an apartment. You think, what does that apartment cost you that month?、Mm-hmm. And The,、uh, the place that we were renting before we moved back here to buy a house, we were renting a, a two bedroom, one and a half bathroom house in, in Los Angeles.、Uh, it, we didn't get the whole house. We were basically renting the main floor. And, and downstairs, they had converted illegally a,、uh, the basement into basically a separate one bedroom apartment. And so they were renting the apartment downstairs to somebody else, and then we had the, the main floor of the house. And so that cost $2,000 a month for us to rent that. And that may sound like a lot to a lot of people, but、uh, depending on where you live. But for Los Angeles, that was actually a really, really good price that we got that house at.、Um, because even, even for apartments, like prices are getting crazy in Los Angeles.、Um, And the, the old lady, the, I should say, the older lady who、no, owns、fine. that, that house,、um, her husband had died about a year ago, and she's getting older. And I think it's just like that she, she didn't want to just keep having to deal with having a, a place and renting it and, and the maintenance and, and the costs and everything. So she decided she was going to sell it. And that's part of what encouraged us to move. And so when she put that house back on the market, Again, two, two bedroom, one and a half bath.、Uh, the downstairs apartment is there, but if anybody's buying it as a house, it's going to be kind of weird to have that down there. 
unless you've got like you know your 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 mom or your dad or your your parents you know or your grandparents somebody who needs to have a place to stay where they can be near to you but not need a big place so she put that back on the market for $895,000. Wow. Which, wow. as someone from the Midwest, that is a crazy amount of money, right? So when I think about it, buying a house for $200,000 versus something like that, like $200,000 seems like nothing. Right. From that perspective, you know? and uh, yes. you know, I know this is the generic video game podcast, not... Uh, you know the we'll today's today's housing market, yeah. but I will tell people, um, and for those who don't know, we essentially do this show for ourselves, so we don't even know how many you know how many listeners we got left. But I was around the real estate industry from 2007 up until 2019, so I do have some experience from more of a transaction coordinator type perspective, and. Um, you know, I've been out here on the West Coast now in Oregon for about cl- pushing close to 30 years now and uh, getting back to one of the elements that Molly discussed in terms of pricing. Look, 200 grand is nothing to sneeze at. That's a lot of money. But, you know, nowadays in this area, you know, years ago, you could get like a nice condo for 90 grand, 120 grand. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't even get a decent condo these days in 2020 for 200K. You know, a good house 15, 20 years ago was, you know, maybe two and a quarter to 275, 300 grand. We're talking, wow. Now you need like four, 500, you know, plus K. And I know a couple of years ago we discussed this on the podcast. And, or maybe it was, I don't know. I thought we, were, we recorded it, but maybe it was private. And I still remember something Molly said in that, you know, driving down the highway in L.A. And, uh, you know, it said houses starting in the low millions. It was like one. I mean, that's with that said, now I'm going to go off on a tangent. You know, since, you know, the whole COVID-19, our last episode, episode 39, recorded in April, right when COVID-19 was really getting heated up. And, you know, since then, two, two and a half months have passed. And that has just really exposed a lot of flaws in terms of our nation and in terms of finances and people living on the edge. We've been living on the edge for the last 10 plus years. Uh, And when I say we, I'm talking about the majority of the Americans, not everybody. Uh, You know, probably I think a fair number is 50, 50, 60, 40. And when you get into these numbers... Of what it costs to live in certain, you know, bigger cities or more, you know, uh, you know, that type of environment. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. And, you know, I don't have to get into this. Everyone knows this. They're probably listening to the show to not have to hear this. But what over one in four people are out of a job right now. You know, everyone's piss poor busted. So, uh, you know, and and then that that's part of what like makes it scary to buy a house right now. Um, but, you know, as, as a quick aside, you're talking about, like, pricing. Like, I remember back where we were in the kind of area we were living in in Los Angeles, uh, back in 2015, we were looking, there was a new condo development. And when I say condo, I don't it, I don't think of it as a condo because it was, they were more like townhomes, but they were looked more condo-ish, so they were a different kind of thing. And we really liked them, but we remember, I remember the pricing was, like, $550,000 to buy one of these things. 
and we thought at the time like oh that's kind of expensive you know and and now five years later just out of curiosity we looked at those and they're now selling for over a million each wow so, I mean, that's, that's i mean that's so, that's correct yeah. that's the, uh, you know, I want to swear. I usually don't swear on this podcast, and I want to really watch my language. I want to throw some f bombs out there, but I won't. But um, I, I, it's it's incredible. Well, stuff I mean, like that, and then stuff like all the luxury apartments that they were building in our area that were like three thousand, four thousand for a one or two bedroom apartment. You know, it's just like it's some of this stuff is is crazy. And, it's and, bullshit. And, the yeah. housing market is destroying us. What they since the early two thousands, mid two thousands, and the average person's wage has not gone up accordingly. Our numbers are, you know, to that of what should be in the early two thousands. We're in twenty twenty. I mean, this is this is why you've got people, younger generation, not moving out right away, staying home longer. I know they get a lot of uh, flack. It's it's because nobody can afford it, and they yeah. see what their parents has, have gone through in the older generations. The the sacrifices, you know, jobs chucking them aside, spinning them out, you know, for new younger individuals or you know who you know every two, three, four, five years. There's no more longevity, twenty, thirty plus years, and it's it, you, you're either you're either rich or you're poor. That's that's where we're at right now. Yeah, so so I mean, like, as scary as suddenly having two hundred thousand dollars of debt is, like, my my feeling is when you when you look at the market, when you look at how things are going in a lot of cities, when you look at the fact that like I'm gonna be paying less per month for my house than I was paying for an apartment ten years ago when I first moved back to Los wow. Angeles to go work at Play Magazine, like. I know this is going to sound like a really, really weird statement to some people, but two hundred thousand dollars like isn't that much. Like it's, it's a scary amount. I mean, it's 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 a worrying amount of debt for for somebody if you've never had that much debt. But when I think about all the people out there who are in situations where they can't even imagine a house for this kind of a price, you know, or or where their rent alone is is like I was saying, you know, two thousand dollars a month for us was an amazing cost compared to what the rest of the market was. So, like, it's 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 kind of terrifying all of a sudden having all this debt from having bought a house, but at the same time, it's like I still feel like that's a manageable amount versus some of these other places, especially L.A. and and bigger cities like that where. You know, you just you can't comprehend the amount of debt you can go into just from wanting to buy a, even a small house. So, so like it's been it's been really crazy, and we're still getting moved in and everything, and still figuring out stuff. But it's it's really surreal to as somebody who's never owned a house before, and and it is scary, but it's also been fun, and it's kind of like you know I can get through this <laughs> versus even trying to think about having bought a house back where we were in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So. No, no way. No way. I mean, I'm barely yeah. scooching by here in the outskirts of Portland in a little shitbox apartment. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I keep saying this, but everybody's on edge. And, uh, you know, I've been working nonstop, um, and I'm thankful for it right now. Um, you know, I'm going to work till the death. You know, because you know, because the 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 the, the government's not. You know, we, we have what we have, and um, it's that's kind just, of the thing. Is it's like it's like remember, like I mean, remember when people re- actually retired? You know, and it's 
Oh, I'm never. Uh, well, here's the thing, and I'm not trying to be a downer and negative, and I, I make light of this too with friends that know me, but you know, and I do my best to take care of myself. I regularly exercise. Uh, so when I say the doom and gloom, I'm going to say, first off, I'm not making it to retirement age. Let me tell you that. <laughs> I'll be long dead before. I mean, if you look at my father and my grandfather on my father's side, who I never met, I don't even want to say it out loud because it'll worry you. Let me tell you something. I ain't making it to retirement age. I mean, if you want to, you want to get into it. My grandfather on my father's side, I believe, died at the age of 40. Mm. And my father went at um, just shy of 58. And I'm going to crack 40. So I'm hitting my retirement age rather soon. So, I mean, there's no way. And, and not to make a comedy sketch out of it, but, you know... Well, retirement age on paper, correct me if I'm wrong, is 62, correct? I, 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 no, I don't think it's even that because I think it's, it's, I'm trying to remember because my, my mom, when she retired, I think retirement is 65. Okay. Okay. But, but the thing is, is with social security, if you wait to retire until 67, then they put you in a higher bracket of what you would get per month. Or what do they flip you another fifty bucks? What do you get? <laughs> yeah, they give you, they give you five dollars in coupon for Taco Bell. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's no way the average person, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, my my mom's still working. Like my mom is still working. You know, like she retired. She technically retired, and she's still working because she, you know she has to. And it's it's like I said, the the dream of, um, being like I'm gonna hit sixty five and be done. Like and and even that, right? Like I'm well, now in a I'm now in a 30-year mortgage, which means my mortgage goes past the point of my retirement. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't so. know. I don't know uh, yeah, and it doesn't sound very enticing to me to be 65 and retired because you're going to be, you know, old and not have the energy you used to. And uh, well, I think I've been, I think I think 65 ugh. now is different than 65 was like 20, I'm going dis- to. I, I hear that a lot now. You know, you know what I think that is. I'm going to shoot it real straight with you right now. Look, do I think there are medical advances or there are health, there's knowledge of health out there, which can, you know, you know, once you get your upper 30s, 40s, you feel a little bit, you know, you can, you can cut some corners. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Let me tell you something. When you're in your 60s, your 70s, you're old. <laughs> I mean, you're old. I, I mean, I'm cracking 40. And uh, at the moment, I'm gifted that, you know, people say I do not look my age. I look at least 10 under. Well, let me tell you, I feel 40. And, you know, I know that day is going to come where you hit the wall. So it's, um, you know, health is important. I think nutrition, I'm not always the best at it. But the older you get, I look at it this way. And I'm not really a car guy, but this is how I'm going to put it, you know. When you're younger, you can you can do a lot of stupid shit. You can run that car late. You can you can put a lot of garbage into it. But the older you get, if you don't run that engine and you don't take somewhat some care of it, it's just gonna run like shit and break down. So, um, you know, in order for me to just stay steady, to um, so I don't blow up into a fat cow. 
I, I have to exercise a few times a week, and that's not really that's not really enabling me to cut weight. That's enabling me to not get fat. So uh, seriously, because I watch my weight, I I do a few times a week. Um, I watch my numbers in that respect, and it's. I mean, I can tell you in the last few weeks where I wasn't eating like uh, pure garbage, but if I went through a couple bags of chips in a week, now now listen, I'm not talking every night. I can tell with certain carbs or what I put in, your weight it 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 bops right up there. You know, water retention. But here's the thing. I know this is very boring to some people, but you really, when you get out of your 20s, I'd say, you really have to learn this stuff. You really, I wish I wish I knew some of this stuff when I was younger with the growth of the body and, you know, how to, to you know, take advantage of those things. But you, you have to learn at some point because you can't be feeling like shit every day. And another big thing I'm a proponent of that I've been lucky enough, whether my weight's been up or down, one thing I've always been good about is sleep. You don't get good sleep, man, that you're going to age, you're going to feel like trash, and and the weight's going to stick to you even more. So, unless you're some sort of genetic freak, it's 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 just the way it's the way it is in life, you know? If if Rick Flair can still wrestle in his 70s, Anthony, I don't I don't want to hear you bitching. Let me tell you something and I, you know I'm a big <laughs> wrestling fan and I'm no disrespect to the guy because he is in his 70s and he's still active. He 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 looks like a walking cadaver with skin right now. <laughs> and he's been on the brink of death uh, a few times in the last few years, had major surgery. I mean, look, the guy for what he is and the energy he has living life, you know, that's one thing more power to him. He's not in a wheelchair. But let me tell you, he's looking, he's looking like the crypt keeper these days. So, so to bring this back to games and transition into our actual real podcast, um, let me just say the last thing about my house is that the the exciting thing for me now is that I actually have my own room as an office to set up, <laughs> uh, which means I can set up video games, mm-hmm. and it's it's funny that. Years ago, I swore off ever owning a CRT again because of how big and heavy they were and how oh, okay. HGTVs yeah. were the yeah. future. Yeah. And and now in my office, I have a CRT sitting there again. Yeah, but that's awesome because you have your own little space and you're going to utilize it. You know, you have stuff to take advantage of that. So uh, that's that's going to be kind of awesome. Yeah, I'm going to have my CRT, going to have my arcade one-up cabinet, going to have my my consoles set up. So it's, it's going to be fun. So once things get set up, I'll put pictures on Twitter and everything and... But that I am, I'm very excited about, because like I was telling Anthony the other day, you know, when I moved to California, I left a lot of my older game collection back here at home. So I haven't had my full collection on me in in easily the last ten years, and even before that, I didn't have them all with me and stuff. So it's 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 a lot of fun now having everything I own gaming wise in in one place again. Yeah, that's awesome. And I told you privately, yeah, I want to see shots or upload some to your uh, Twitter account. Yep. Uh, that's always exciting. So, I mean, there's a lot to get into. I don't know what I can um, be selfish and just uh, say a couple things and then and I'll let you lead if you want. Um, you know, obviously everything worldwide is chaotic right now. But, you know, like we said a couple months ago, one industry that's still plugging along uh, with news and releases and announcements is the world of video games. 
Uh, with that said, um, I, I did complete a recently released game. Uh, I beat Doom Eternal in its entirety. Uh, you want to talk about raising one's blood pressure, using language that I haven't used since I was a kid playing video games, wanting to smash the controller. Uh, Doom Eternal will fit that bill. I also felt like at one point, and don't don't misinterpret this, I did enjoy it. Uh, I'm very happy I went through it. Uh, I felt like it was turning into the Doom RPG of FPSs in terms of length. I was like, oh my god. Uh, but, you know, I... I I am happy about that because so many first-person shooters are plagued with short campaigns. Or, well, but you know, at the same time, there is there is there is a certain length to those games. Like I remember, I mean, obviously it's not a first-person shooter, but I remember playing Bayonetta, mm-hmm. and I think it like the eleven. I think it took me like thirteen hours to get through it, and mm-hmm. um, at the eleven-hour mark, or maybe not even that, like I think it's eight to ten. I was like, this game should have ended right here. And I would have been totally fine with it. Like I felt like the first Bayonetta just went on for a little bit too long. So, so I, I do feel like with games like that, that I think if you hit the ten hour mark or or beyond, like I think you're starting to to go for too long. Well, get ready for this. And I'm going to say this: I, I totally get where you're coming from, and I'm not going to tell you how you should feel. For me, uh, and I, I get where you're coming from, Bayonetta, I clocked in my first playthrough around 16 to 18 hours, and while that may seem like I was uh, a, a turtle getting through it, it's ironic in that, and I'm so glad you brought that game up, and I haven't brought it up tonight, you brought it up, not me. Um, my my timing on that, I remember, was almost identical to the original Devil May Cry in terms of length, and to your point, there... You know, the argument could be made that the original Devil May Cry was maybe a mission too long, one or two missions uh, too long. Mm -hmm. But it's funny that they almost mirrored each other in terms of length. That aside, uh, Doom Eternal says, hold my beer. And I asked Neil about this privately because he completed the game as well. And mind you, I did, and this is usually unlike me. I did do a lot of the side missions and did my best to get at least maybe, I'm going to be realistic, 30-40% of the collectibles in the game. I swear to you, Molly, and I was looking statistic-wise, I couldn't find a clock on it. I was really hoping I could find, I couldn't find uh, how many hours to put in. If I had to guess, it had to be over 30. Oh, wow. Now, here's the catch. If anyone out there is listening, how many missions are in Doom uh, Eternal? 13. There's 13 missions. But I'll be goddamned if some of those missions, I mean, they were they were huge. If you think back to the original Doom games 1 and 2, there was probably around 28 to 32 maps for each respective game, which was a lot. Mm-hmm. So when you look at this just in terms of numbers, you're like, "Ooh, Doom, you know, has, you know, 13 missions. That's not very long numbers wise compared to the old one let me tell you i i swear to god some of these maps i felt like i'm like jesus christ i've 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 beaten games in their entirety uh in less time that it's taken me to do some of these maps uh but i would give it a thumbs up uh, i do feel for people if you didn't play doom 2016 this mirrors in my opinion and i predicted this a long time ago Doom 2016 is akin to Doom 1993, 
And then Doom 2 1994 is akin to Doom Eternal in terms of how it just throws you to the wolves. Mm. Levels are much bigger. There's a lot more. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. Uh, many enemies on screen at once. It's relentless. It's more of it on steroids. Um, and the way the game ended, I was able to predict that too. So I won't say spoiler. But if you watch my words in how closely this mirrors Doom 2, then you can pretty much figure out how Doom Eternal is going to end. Also, um, for nerds out there, the very first mission in Doom Eternal is called Hell on Earth, which I believe was the subtitle for Doom 2. So uh, if I had to throw any... I'll get off this topic. If I had one knock... On this game, and I was able to get through it and stick through it. Man, I don't know what the deal was, but there were some times in this one where I felt like, God, are we trying to be Mirror's Edge? Or oh, really? are we trying to be, oh, yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is. And I, I, that's a whole topic I can get into. I'm going to say this I stuck with the game because I really am a big fan of Doom, and I think. They have done the series right. I would almost... Uh, ah, this is a bad comparison. Tomb Raider was in trouble, and Tomb Raider 2013 really saved that series. I keep using that as an example, and I think the argument can be made it's better than what it was in 1996. Um, Doom and Doom 2 were, were timeless classics, and I think while Doom never faltered, Doom and Doom Eternal do it justice, but I got to tell you, if if I were to go back magically or if I was on the team and they said, hey, what should we adjust or is there anything we can do to fine tune this and make it a more pleasurable experience, they needed to either rework or cut out some of those um, long distance platforming elements. Big time. As a matter of fact, I wasn't sure if I was being a baby, and I found a Reddit thread, and I saw some people saying at the end of the game, you know, they were using a lot of foul language, and they just they uninstalled it off their PC, <laughs> and I had a laugh. Some guy said, I didn't know I paid for Mirror's Effing Edge instead of Doom, and I have to tell you, I, I can see where they're coming from, but I stuck with it. So... Doom I mean, it's yeah. like like that is the kind of thing like I don't, I don't think of platforming when I think of Doom, and I know the the 2016 one, you know, um, whatever year it was. Like yeah, 2016. Pretty, yep. Yeah. yeah, like I know it didn't involve some of that, but I could definitely see where you could push that too far, and it would just become something kind of else entirely. You know. I would give Doom 2016 a 9, 9.5. I think a 10 is in there. Argue, I, I think it could be a 10 for Doom fans because of how much justice it did to the series. I think to the average gamer, if you said, what was the, what's the score I'd give Doom 2016? I'm going to say a solid 9. If I had to score Doom Eternal... Uh, I'm going to use my Deadpool movie analogy because Doom is out of the bag 2016. It it was shocking at the time. I'm going to give this a strong 8. If the platforming elements weren't what they were and the cat wasn't out of the bag of 2016, you know, I could raise that score a bit, but I'd give it a 9 and then an 8. 
but uh, definitely worth people's time. I still haven't gone through FF7 Remake. I blame that a lot on my work schedule, but I have not. I am sticking to it, and I'm going to say I'm about 40-50% done with that game. I have about 15 hours in. Uh, I am enjoying that. Uh, there's a couple other major games I have in my stack, but I'm trying to be good instead of cracking them all open and going through them. Uh, I want to knock out I got to knock out um, either FF7 or Star Wars, which I started. Once I get one of those done, then I'm going to crack another one open. So I'm about halfway done with FF7 and um, maybe 20% done with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, a game which I got on sale and couldn't pass it up. I got to tell you, any Star Wars fans out there? And you're on the fence and you catch the Best Buy deal. I've seen it drop twice now down to 35. It was 35 when I got it a couple months ago and it bumped up to 60. Last week and it was down to 20, or excuse me, 35 again. And if you have any Best Buy coupons and you can get it like I did for the range of $25, that is an absolute no brainer for a Star Wars fan. I would say, and this is going to be so ironic, my statement, this will this will be relevant. I was telling people, with the exception of X-Wing and TIE Fighter in the 90s for flight sim-based Star Wars games and putting Knights of the Old Republic in its own bracket for RPGs in the early 2000s, I would say that this is the best Star Wars game ever made. And wow. it's and it's funny that I mentioned the flight sim-based Star Wars games because within the last few days, <laughs> Star Wars Squadrons was announced, which I have to tell you, looks phenomenal and here's the deal i'm they've they, they have me in there because not only does it look phenomenal i don't know what ea's doing if they're looking for the award this year and to, to get back in good graces did you see the price of uh, star wars squadrons no 39.99 oh wow so that's a that's a done deal single player campaign uh and it will have the five on five multiplayer and it's a game that i might actually Toy around with, even if it's only a few times multiplayer, I will try it. And here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah. Game game looked good. And it looked oh, exciting Molly. and everything. Molly. But there I do not do not believe we saw any gameplay Ooh. in that video. Uh, I don't I'm, for a second believe any of that was gameplay. I'm gonna go against the grain. Unless unless we okay, let me let me give that an asterisk. If it was, it was either the highest of the high-end PC <laughs> version that we were seeing, okay. or that was next-gen versions we were seeing. But there uh, you is know no what? way on God's green earth that was gameplay. I'm going to say this. It's very late in the system cycle. And... Yeah, but did you see that lighting? Yeah, but hold on. I'm, I'm still I'm playing Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And I'm not using a high. I'm not even using a PS4 Pro. Now look, are there some things I can nitpick in terms of some popping or glitching at times? Yes, I'm not going to lie. But when you look at that game under normal circumstances, steadily taking it all in, all things considered, Jedi Fallen Order. Some of the the set pieces and the backgrounds and stuff are just amazing. So I'm going to say with something that's I'm going to almost use the my Gran Turismo um, uh, philosophy here. 
part of the reason I'm going to give some believability on this game is this is a conversation I've gotten into with friends of mine in the past. And I don't know if I've ever gotten into this with you in terms of gaming reaching photorealism. And I know we're really we're about there right now. We always said racing games or games utilizing machines would hit it first because you're not under the guise of looking, you know, looking at the human body or, you know, there's 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 a fine line of where something looks quirky or off because it's the human body. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order looks amazing and you notice I said set pieces look the character models look awesome as well. But if we're getting into the conversation of character models, sure, you're going to pick more apart because they're it's human beings. You know, Star Wars Squadrons is primarily using machines. And you can do a lot of tricks. Like I'm sure in the hangar, you can do some tricks when the the squad is maybe around. You know, reminding me of like Wing Commander. You know, you can do that when you're back getting your mission briefing and then you go out and fly. But when you're out in outer space and you maybe just have to look at maybe the, you know, your the legs or the upper torso of your pilot. You know, I do find it very believable at this stage in the game. Because we're looking at, like look at, look at Gran Turismo. I can tie this into PS5. Look. If you show me Gran Turismo 7 running on PS5 with a 4K TV, or as we know, I believe it may have 8K assets in the pipeline. This is not a joke. If you show me on the highest-end TV with HDR, the right settings, do I believe it's going to look better than what we have right now on PS4? Absolutely. But if you look to the average person, if you show GT Sport, and I don't care what anyone says, and you show them the shots of the track or the camera panned out or the replay... It already looks real. So, mm-hmm. and I say that's because of because we're talking about uh, car models, machines. As a car alarm goes off in the background. What's that? As a, as a car alarm goes off in your background. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned car models. And- yeah, yeah, it was good timing. So, you know, look, our, there's GT buffs that I know personally that will pick my statement apart. But that's because they're Gran Turismo aficionados. You show the average person GT Sport running or, you know, you show them a, a beautifully cut trailer for GT Sport, which has been out a few years, and GT7. I hate to say it, you know, your average person is not going to be able to tell the difference. Mm. We'll see, right? I mean, yeah. it's we'll see. Uh, do I believe that they were showing it in its highest fidelity? R- like you said, running on a high-end PC? Uh, I'm not going to deny that. But do I think the game is at least going to look close to that? I- I'd be very surprised if it did. No, I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm just saying that just knowing EA and knowing video game companies and knowing what we've gone through lately with quote-unquote gameplay, I just don't believe we saw gameplay yesterday. Hmm. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get to a certain event in in a few minutes, you know, where where there there were examples of not sure of gameplay and the examples of just straight up gameplay. But I think the the way they did it, like if you had shown me, you know, a minute and a half of somebody playing one mission, I would have believed it. But the way they clipped it together, the way it looked, mm-hmm. the way it ran, I just don't believe that was gameplay. So I, I am I am excited to see what the game is going to be like, but I don't think we saw the game yesterday. I mean, there, there were there were parts like I think there were certain scenes 
of not flying through space shooting stuff that looked like it could have been, you know, the kind of like in-engine rendered scenes. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we saw actual hold the controller, move the controller. Right. Play. Now, the interesting thing on this, before we move on from that, um, this was during, I don't even know what the official name was, but like I'm going to call it the EA Showcase. EA, EA Play Live 2020. Okay. I did not see it. Uh, I didn't know it was taking place. I've seen all the Star Wars stuff because I watched the trailers on my YouTube feed and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know really what else besides maybe Madden or whatever that EA would have announced. There was one game that was filling up my timeline to my surprise, and I'm not going to like batter it and bash it because uh, I'm not educated on it. But look, if you told me what was the biggest, hottest skateboard game back in the 90s and even though i didn't own it but you know i was very well aware of it and everyone i knew played it i would say tony hawk one and two and we're getting tony hawk one and two remaster this fall so i know a lot of people are excited with that said uh you know my skateboard knowledge the only other skateboard knowledge i really have um is i remember the one konami skateboard game one year i saw at e3 only because i remember solid snake uh being in the game which i thought was absolutely ridiculous what game was that? I don't know, but I remember it at E3, and I was like, oh, dear Jesus. Yeah, I remember seeing Snake on the... Ski- yeah, I know I'm not nuts. Evolution it- Skateboarding. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I just remember oh. seeing it at E3, and I'm like, oh, you know, that was- it had to be around the time of MGS2, correct? I'm going to say around 03, 02. Let's see, when was it? Uh, 2002, yeah. Yeah, so... That aside, I'm just giving you my context of my skateboard knowledge. I saw my timeline blown up for the tentatively titled Skate 4. Well, it's so it's funny. It's it's really funny because you know, we reached a point where like so I I love the first skate. And one of the things that made Skate so unique compared to other skateboarding games was that you actually used each analog stick as a foot. Oh. So when you did tricks, moving the analog stick a certain way would move your foot a certain way, which caused your board to move a certain way, which instead of so in, instead of hitting button combinations, you were using the sticks together to do your tricks. And, Interesting. And so I, I know I'm not saying it felt real, but it felt like you had more of a direct connection to what you were doing Versus just pushing certain buttons, and so the the game was was awesome, and it went on had two other games. I think I, I don't remember. I don't think I ever actually played Skate Three, but I think it was one of those cases where a franchise gets gets too big for itself. You know, the publisher wants it to be too big and too much stuff, and by Skate Three, kind of like what had made the original game so good is getting diluted, kind of like Dead Space Three, for example. Um, but it's funny because, you know, kind of Tony Hawk went away, skate went away. We had a, a long period of time where there were no skateboarding mm-hmm, games. Mm-hmm. And so then there were these games that started cropping up to take the place of Tony Hawk and skate. But now Tony Hawk and skate are back. So at this moment, there are now kind of four skateboarding games all in contention for the same crowd. Jeez. There's the Tony Hawk remakes. There's the upcoming skate, there's skater SL, XL, and there's session. Jesus, oh I got to tell you, and I don't mean this to disrespect the fans because we all have our own taste, but I am so happy that I'm not into that genre because that's four or less games I got to buy. 
Yeah, so it's what? it's 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 one of those things where like, and we've seen this before with other genres too, where like a genre will kind of die off, mm-hmm. and then somebody will be like, "Well, I should bring that back," while somebody else is like, "I should bring that back," the and then the 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 big companies hear that and like, "Well, we should bring ours back," and then it all at once like there's all these games suddenly coming back to the genre again. Are all of these slated for end of this or for holiday this year? Well, so I know um, Tony Hawk is. Yeah. I know Session just hit, um, what is it, the, the Xbox game preview thing. Oh, okay. Wow. We can buy it early. And then Skater XL is coming out in July. Skate, we wow. don't have a date on yet. And then Tony Hawk is later this year, but I don't remember exactly when. I'm thinking um, I'm thinking Tony Hawk 1 and 2 is going to sell pretty darn well. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially because like kind of the last remaster wasn't really great. So right. I think people have been really wanting that full and proper remaster. Right. And it's so weird. Well, I'm not into the scene. I'm going to sound like a liar. I keep, I'm going to keep mentioning stuff. I actually saw an episode of Joe Rogan recently and Tony Hawk was on there. It was kind of interesting talking about his career and when he started. And speaking of houses, bringing, here's a callback, so to speak. I think Tony Hawk was talking about how when he finally made it, he paid off and bought his first house. He was like, 14 or 16 <laughs> so his dad helped out you know because he was still a kid technically and right. I think the dad helped him out and or actually excuse me the dad had him buy a house because not for the dad but for Tony Hawk's own sake to at least have something at the time because you know obviously he didn't think Tony Hawk you know he pre- didn't understand um, how fortunate he was at that point in time right. so anyway um yeah it's just interesting to see that coming back um with that said wait now wait wait before you go on yeah because i i actually wanted to to, to connect to your talking about doom eternal because oh, yeah. okay i've been playing a first person shooter too lately uh and i've been playing one that was directly inspired by doom and doom 2 uh, someone might have okay. Is it using what looks like a like a Quake engine? Uh, it is very very much old school. Okay, which one? Someone might have showed this to me, but I think it was only on Steam or computer, so that's why. I, what well, you- so this one this one just hit consoles. Um, it's called Project Warlock. Oh, I am not familiar with this. That and okay, this was my understanding is this was originally made by one person. Uh, he was like, I think like 19 or something like that when, when he first made it, he, he was in his teens still. Um, and it's basically, it, it is very much an old school shooter to the point that I, I, when you go in, you can use the right analog stick to kind of, you know, aim your, your gun anywhere, but you can actually then Y lock your gun so that it doesn't move up and down anymore so that it totally plays like old school doom and doom 2 yeah and so it's funny because you were talking about stages right and yeah. uh project warlock has 60 levels in it but as opposed to your doom eternal kind of stages when i'm playing a project warlock stage i'll i might get done in like seven minutes or 11 wow. minutes i'm looking at like it right keep talking i'm looking at yeah. it right now some shots and so the the first so I get a lot of emails about games, about people wanting us to cover games. And there's just way, way too much out there for us to cover most of what comes out. 
you know, there, I mean, there's just like you 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 do not realize how many games come out every single week, mm-hmm. and so typically we will cover the big stuff, obviously, or we'll cover the things that we personally have been following. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, usually it's like if something happens to catch our eye, is when we look more into it. And I got this passed along. You know, they said, "Hey, we got this game." Here's a code. Would you want to review it? And I looked at it, and the first thing that catches your eye about Project Warlock is the visual style. It's really, really interesting. So again, think about those old school Doom and Doom Two kind of kind of games in terms of how it plays, how the world is created. Everything is two D sprites. All the enemies, all the 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 landscape, all the items. They're all these flat sprites. So it looks very old school, but it's got this different kind of art style to it. Yeah. So it yeah. almost looks to me like a like a 16-bit like Super Nintendo kind of game. Mm-hmm. Because if you think like you go back to those Doom and Doom 2s, like the, the, the they were very pixel pixelated, you know, and very very just chunky pixels and kind of like more simpler sprites. Whereas this has a lot more detail to the sprite work, but it it doesn't like the problem with a lot of kind of like new age retro games is that they'll put way too much effort into their sprites. So their sprites look just way too detailed for what they ever would look like previously. But this doesn't reach that point, but it's also more detailed than the Dooms were. So it's this kind of weird middle area of like where first person shooters might have gone if we never got stuff like Quake. And if polygons hadn't to come in, and yes. Oh no, I was going to say it's so weird. I didn't want to cut you off because, and I'll finish your thoughts on Project Warlock. But it's such an odd time that that came out because a game that I found that I think it came out on PC a year ago or maybe six months ago, but it just hit PS4 a couple of months ago. I want to take a chance on Ion Fury. Oh yeah, yep. And that one's using the 3D Realms modified engine from the Duke Nukem people. It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah, so it's... So, okay, so you go into Project Warlock, and it's got... So basically, you're this character that can both use guns and magic. And you kind of decide, like, which way you want to go, because in order to up... you So you can can upgrade everything, but in order to upgrade things, you need these stars that are hidden throughout the levels and you get a certain amount of stars and then you can either buy a magic spell that you found or you can upgrade your weapon and when you upgrade your weapon every single weapon in the game has two ways it can then go Mm. so let let me give the example of uh, a gatling gun like a chain gun Mm -hmm. right so you get the radio chain gun. It's like your typical chain gun. It takes a second to start, start up, and then it starts firing, right? So you can either upgrade that to where it has no startup lag and it does more damage, or you can upgrade it so that you can put that chain gun down on the ground and have it be a self-firing turret. Oh, okay, yeah. But when you pick one, you lose the option to use the other one. Oh, really? So for every gun, you have to kind of decide, like, which way you want it to evolve. Or, like I said, you can use those points to instead um, buy magical spells. 
and I, I I've I've found myself not using the spells as much, but for example, um, there's a spell where <clears throat> you can put a shield around yourself to to kind of eat some of your damage before you you take damage yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a, a spell where you can shoot it out and it'll freeze creatures. You know, there's um. Oh, I just got something else too. Oh, I got a spell where um, I can use mana to give myself more ammo for the current gun that I'm holding. <laughs> it's like if you're using a gun that you're eating a lot of ammo on and you need more mm-hmm. and you can't find it, you can give yourself ammo that way. So it's set across five stages. And what's really neat is each each kind of each each world, I'll say, each world is is totally different in steam. So you start off in kind of this medieval area and then you go to Antarctica and then you go to Egypt and then you go to kind of like this this future city thing. And each world looks totally different, got its own set of enemies and its own kind of color schemes and its own stages and stuff. But then in, in each world, you've got six six areas in that world. And so oh, wow. okay. in every world, the first area will have two stages and the mm-hmm. second area will have two stages next we'll have three and so on and each of those takes you to a different style of place so for example when you're playing Antarctica you start off in kind of like just out in the open wilderness and going through there and there's some rock walls or some trees or a couple little buildings and stuff and then as you progress further in that in that world then you'll start getting into these like big arctic science facilities and stuff like that so like as you progress through each world you're going to very different locations that are still under the same theme but that look different and feel different and everything Hmm. um it's really neat and and one of the other big catches is if you play on anything other than basically what's the easy mode you have a set amount of lives and if you lose all your lives the game's over. Wow. And you start back from the very beginning. Oh, Jesus. And I didn't realize <clears throat> this at first, and so I picked like the normal setting, which <clears throat> you get three lives, and then you can find more as you play. And so I got to the boss of the first world, and kind of like his final form, for some reason, was just totally destroying me. I like, couldn't figure out how to beat him. And so I got to him with 11 lives, and I he ate through all of them, and then all of a sudden I realized, like, my game is done. And I had to start all the way back at the beginning. So it's got this really interesting kind of risk system where the higher difficulties you go, the, the more risk there is. To the point that the highest difficulty, you get one life to beat the entire game. Wow. So if you die once, it's all over. Yeah, this is so amazing. Again, I'm taking a look at some of the stuff you said, and uh, yeah, you're correct. This this kid uh, started developing it while he was still in high school, and I believe it might be Polish, uh, might be from Poland or Polish. Yeah, and, and and you know he and I think what happened was is he developed the original version all himself, and then he got some people to help him on the game, like an art person and a music person. Which, by the way, the crazy thing about this game, I told you, it has sixty levels. Mm-hmm. Each or stages, each stage has its own music. Jesus Christ. The music gets never repeated. He hmm. takes its own individual track to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's like it's one of those games that I think a lot of people are never going to have heard about and or know about and would never kind of 
look into. Right. But it's really cool. And and I, I don't want to oversell it too much, you know, because, I mean, it's... But it's this... It walks this really, really great line of feeling old school, mm-hmm. but not feeling just like a kind of a, a, a cash-in homage thing. It feels like an old school shooter in the good ways it should feel like one you know but it also feels like its own thing um and this is a tiny spoiler but what's funny is you will actually find uh some of uh other first person shooter classic heroes dead in this game so it you can find like certain characters you will you will recognize amongst these stages like having been killed in some gruesome way oh really yeah, but again, it's called Project Warlock. Hmm. Um, it's really neat. It just hit, I know at least it just hit PS4 and Xbox One. I think it also hit Switch, maybe? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah that is correct. And let's see. Yeah, this is a recent release. Yeah, this is all within yeah, the last it, week. I mean, it just came out this week. Um, I would have had a review up by now, but it, I just, in my moving, I didn't have a chance to get it. Get it, and I want to actually properly beat it, but I think it's like, it's not. I think it's maybe like twenty dollars or something mm. like that. It's not. It's not too crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's a neat little game if you're if you're looking for that kind of like old school shooter thing. And said the 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 save system is a point where so be, between so I was saying like each world has these little kind of blocks of stages, mm-hmm. and once you beat a certain block, then you go back to your workshop where you can upgrade your character and save your game so you have to kind of get through enough stages to get back to your workshop to save so there is a little bit of that kind of you have to put a little bit of time into it but like i was saying the stages can be over in in you know 10 minutes or less or a little bit more sometimes so it doesn't take you long to get through a block and then kind of save your game and then come back to it later so it's interesting. Yeah, it's, I was gonna, neat. I was gonna mention on some of the shots. It reminded me of Hexen and, and uh, something that I completely forgot about. So one of the games that influenced it was Heretic, which I believe yeah. was the predecessor to Hexen. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this, before we get off the Doom and FPS topic, I, I guess episode forty is turning into a FPS uh, showdown. I'm gonna do a quick plug that came to mind. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube and Twitch. Do, do you watch much YouTube? I mean, I it depends on what it is. I, I have a few channels I really, really like. There's a, there's a guy who's underrated. He probably I think he has a handful. He's got a few thousand subscribers. He's been doing his thing for a couple of years now. If you haven't watched him, you should check out Sega Lord X. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah. And he, w- did you catch his video within the last month where uh, he covered the uh, Sega Saturn version of Doom? Oh no! Wow, I, I didn't even realize. You know, you, the mind forgets. Like I remember Power Slave. I remember Duke Nukem 3D on Saturn getting praise, but I don't remember Doom on Saturn. Do you? I don't. I mean, because like, like was, you're saying, like I remember, especially um, what was that team doing those? Like there was yeah, a team yes, get, who think, made Power yeah, Slave, and then yeah, they, they at, yep. did a couple other ports. But they were game fan was peeing their pants over them. Yeah, fantastic at doing those kind of ports, but I don't remember ever touching Doom. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I know, but, and I and I know that I specifically played Doom on the PS One. 
but I never touched it. That one gets a lot of praise. I never played it. I heard that was one of the best, if not the best, console port at the time. Um, to sew up a loose end, it was lobotomy software. Yes, that's right. Um, but yeah, Doom on Saturn was pretty goddamn bad. Uh, they even did, did a, he even covered the Japanese version because some people argue the Japanese version was ever so slightly had a better frame rate. And then I think the multiplayer, which was boasted on the back of the American box, which wasn't even in the final version, I think was in the Japanese version. Really uh, kind of odd and interesting story. Uh, but a lot of the blame for that can be put on, I believe, John Carmack because... The team that wanted that was doing handling the conversion of Doom on Saturn, I think we're going to try and give it its own unique look or actually take advantage of the Saturn for what it was. And I guess he felt it strayed too far from the Doom formula or what Doom should look like. So they had to build it within the, what would it be, like the software or the, the, whatever it's called without utilizing its chipset. And that's how it turned Man, into the, crazy. the pile of dog shit it was. So, uh, so um, let me let me bring a fun little uh, trivia thing here. Speaking of lobotomy and speaking of Saturn first person mm-hmm. shooters, mm-hmm. Um, so I know at least it's in it's in Quake. Uh, so Quake on Saturn has a thing you can unlock called Jevons Control Mode. Have you ever heard of this before? I have. Uh, what, was this something? Was this in the magazine as well? Like it's uh, I. I well, know so, I, okay. So so what it what yeah. it is is if you, if you have the Saturn analog controller the yeah. uh, the knights controller some people mm-hmm. will call it <clears throat> what you can donut. do is you turn this control mode on and this is from memory one of the first console first person shooters that let you then use the analog stick for aiming and the face buttons for moving oh wow so you have kind of your four face buttons and you would mm-hmm. use um you know one for walk backwards one for walk forwards one for strafe left, one for strafe right, and then the analogs, you know. And so that was one of the earliest ways on consoles to really get that kind of proper mouse and keyboard style wow. of control for first-person shooters. Uh, but the the Jevons in Jevons control mode was Dan Jevons, a.k.a. Nightmare, from Game Fan Magazine. Oh, wow. And so he... Talks to lobotomy from what I remember is he talked to lobotomy and he actually convinced them to put that in as an option. Wow, that's that would be the first time that would have ever been done on console. Is that correct? I, I think so. And okay, so also I believe it's also in Duke Nukem 3D as well. Uh, well, pa- are- yeah, what, what was the first one he did it in Power Slave? Well, I, I know it's in Quake. I know it's in Duke Nukem. I don't think it okay, was in Power so, Slave, but I think so. I think what happened is because um, Dan somehow got connected to the people of Lobotomy and was talking to them, and he's like, "Hey, you know what would be really nice is if you put this, you know, mm-hmm. put this in there uh, as a, as a control method." Something and he convinced him to have it as, as a kind of like a little secret thing. I'm looking at something on Wikipedia here, but there's got to be a mistake. So I'm looking. Unless I'm reading something, I won't waste too much time on this. So it's saying Quake, October 31st, 1997 port to Saturn. Okay, that sounds believable, right? But then it says Duke Nukem 3D, October 31st, 1997 port to Saturn. 
Is that possible that they release both on the same day? I say no way. Yeah, I don't know that they were the same day. I mean, I I feel like they, mm, that you know it might have. I remember them coming out pretty close to one another. Wow. Like, I don't know the same day sounds right. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, that was a different time, not to make excuses, but yeah, that is crazy. But yeah, what you're saying. And Power Slave was September of 96, September 26, so they're about a year apart. Hmm. But uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, um,. Hey, I know you're, I don't know why I'm getting into, this will be super quick. I know you're a book person, a print person like me. Have you been fortunate or lucky enough to add to your collection? Have you gotten the Animal Crossing New Horizons book by Future Press? I have not. Hmm. Mm. He says, he says disappointingly. (laughs) Or he, 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 he makes noises disappointingly. (laughs) Is that something ever in the future? If, if is that something you would ever accept or add Probably to? Probably co- not. Like I, I, I'm at a point. Look, I, I just moved across the country with boxes of magazines. Right, I, I'm I trying to clutter your place. There's a certain point where, man, just like books and magazines, like mm-hmm. they get so hard to move. Yeah, and 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 just like I'm right, like right now, like I'm sitting here. Because I have at my <clears throat> mom's place, I have mm-hmm. box. I mean, boxes of Game Fan, EGM, Next Generation, Video Games, Computer Entertainment, Nintendo Power, you, like all these like like paper boxes full. And it's just like I I just don't know if I can move those. You know what you have to do if you ever crack into the uh, no. I'll, I'll, let me wrap up the ACNH thing. Uh, it's a beautiful. It's like a 430 page book, super high quality. Anyway, uh, I'm not here to brag about it. So if there's any ACNH fans out there on the fence for their collection and they're thinking about it and they see it in stores or retails for 30 bucks, um, I would say definitely pick it up. Now, look, as we all know, there's going to be updates. There's going to be stuff expansions that will make that book obsolete. But for what it is in the time and the amount of shots and items in that book, it's just I would never want to. I, I, I feel bad for the people who had to create that guide because it must have been a nightmare. So uh, that aside, um, what I was going to say was if you ever crack those boxes up, you know, we're always talking about Game Fan and all that stuff. But I would like to see some of those mini phone book sized EGMs because I haven't had those in my possession for so many years. Oh. Do you have any of those like big yeah, whopper? I wow. I still have like I think I wanna say maybe the first five years. I have wow. I think everything from the first that, five years. That's gonna bring back so many memories because like I'm always <coughs> looking at the game fan stuff and I own a chunk of that still. But in a weird way, the EGM ones are really going to bring back a lot of memories because I haven't looked like I haven't looked at them in you know fifteen twenty years. So that's really gonna that's I, gonna I be seriously crazy. think there might be a couple of those that that hit like four hundred pages. Yeah, like God. I mean, I I know, I mean, when you know, that sounds like a lot, but I I I really do think like three to four hundred pages might have been a couple of those. Yeah. Because they got really big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was such a nerd. I was such a loser. I would carry that. I would carry when I go on little car trips, or I don't know if you were as bad as me, or I'd go around, you know, on car rides. I'd have like two or three magazines with me. I'd be carrying them everywhere with me. 
<laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well, book uh, book news aside. Oh, hey, he- uh, speaking of doom, let me wrap this back around to hell. Hell has officially frozen. Oh. I have pulled all of my remaining money and reservations out of GameStop. That I, is that you. I I know you've been going there for a long time. Yeah. So this is crazy. Yeah, for what thirty years? Yeah. You know, for the better part of thirty years, excluding my imports. So uh, I don't have a single penny in that shop at the moment. So um, nothing against the workers, but. You know, how can I trust in another few months, uh, you know, with 50-50 people not wearing ma- masks, spikes in COVID going up there again? I mean, who's to say, and I don't wish this, who's to say there isn't another shutdown in uh, a few months when, you know, obviously the last thing we'll be really worried about are games when we're dying. But I can't take the chance with the state of the company and what I had to go through to get my most recent reserve, which... Everything was fine, and I was and I was totally polite and cool about it. I thanked, uh, you know, the people who shipped it to me. I was told, you know, I was good about it because I know they're probably getting screamed at every day. Uh, but that aside, um, I can't be doing that crap, risking it. Going, I went to my that local mall. I always tell you about right down the road from me. I was there for the first time in over two months, and I did have an official N95 mask on. This is legitimate. I'm not joking. Molly, I have to tell you, I was so stunned. And it was not my idea to go to the mall, by the way. I'm going to blame that on a buddy of mine. He legitimately was going there for some work-related clothing. We went through Macy's. When we went through Macy's, you know, I saw some people around, and I was like, oh, you know, I had my mask on, and I even had gloves on. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, this isn't so bad, right? When we left Macy's to get to the main portion of the mall where you see the long stretch, you know, down through the main aisle of stores... Uh, Molly, I I almost shit my pants. I couldn't believe how many people. Now, I don't want to exaggerate. I'm not going to say it was holiday season bad. But I'm going to say it was about 60, maybe 70% of that. And here's the kicker. Maybe 50-50 wearing masks. Yeah, I've seen around here, it, it, it feels like people just assume it's over. Yeah. Yes. So I'm seeing yes. a lot. I would I would say around here, I'd like 75% at least aren't wearing any. Yeah. I, I'm being nice saying 50-50. I want to say 60-40. But if you told me 75-25, I would believe that as well. Yeah. I could I, I told my buddy, I said, hey, I said, I, I, I want to get out of it. We got out of there inside. After we got out of Macy's, you know, we must have left within five minutes. We took a quick i couldn't believe what i was seeing and, and you know i'm usually not like that and i don't want to be the mask police because i'm not perfect but i i got the hell out of there so yeah i mean i i i we're still at a point where i mean we're going out a little bit more than we were before mm-hmm. in part just because there's things we need for our new house that mm-hmm. we need to get you know but we're still trying very carefully to like not go places and and not be in places for long and not be near big crowds so mm-hmm. unbelievable yeah but uh i guess we should get to the main course here i'll let uh there, well there was a big event uh i don't even what was it a week ago now i can't even keep track yeah i know it's, and uh there was the wait, wait wait was it a week ago i think so wasn't it oh my god yeah, yeah. i guess it was 
because EA was this week and I missed it. And, uh, you know, I would keep teasing this. Let me ask you this. I thought Nintendo, I know Nintendo had a Pokemon um, uh, showcase the other day. And a lot of people I know were so excited for Pokemon Snap. Uh, not the stereotype. I'm talking about primarily girls, ladies, I know. Um, some of them were actually teary-eyed. I'm not kidding you. That aside... I thought Nintendo was going to have... Aren't they due for some sort of direct? Or am I making that up? I don't know at this point. Like, I feel like they just announced directs like the day before. Hmm. I don't don't know. Like, I I Hmm. mean, I know like the talk about like Microsoft's having something in in July. Hmm. But I don't know when Nintendo's next one is supposed to be. Hmm. Well, that aside, uh, I guess the main course being Sony, PlayStation 5. This was not, you know, the first announcement of PlayStation 5. Obviously, that was done well, it seems like a year ago. But we did finally get to see what the system looks like. And they did about, I think it was about 80 minutes, um, a showcase of sorts. And I, I thought it was good. Yeah. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was right in the middle. Well, I think... (laughs) I think the problem is it had a really strong start. It had a really strong end. But... And and I I feel really bad saying this because I, I like smaller games. I like indie games. You know, I'm glad that Sony gave them a chance at an event like this. But I think the problem is if this had been E3 mm-hmm. press conference, mm-hmm. then I think we would have more expected to see kind of a wider range of things. Whereas, you know, and, and there's a couple games specifically that come to mind here. When when you say it's the future of gaming and this is and you've been so quiet about the PS5, mm-hmm. you've been so like just just holding your cards to your chest and nobody knows what's going on with the system. When you had that kind of event and you have the middle portion that they had, I think it's easy to walk away feeling kind of disappointed, even though there were very high, high points during the show. Uh, I would agree. Um, I, I know you know. I know you rather well by now, and I know what probably got you most excited was Grand Theft Auto V carrying over <laughs> for another generation. Okay. They even spent a solid five minutes on it, opening up the show after the that. I actually like that trailer they cut for Sony's history. I uh, mean, I know, I know. Look, look when you when you look at sales charts. GTA 5 is still in the top five of sales <laughs> every month. It's still doing crazy. Um, you know, I, I posted on Twitter, like, this is one of the few games I could think of that has continuously without end existed across three gaming platforms. Yes, that, that is know, crazy. Yes. Across generations. Yes. But I, I think that, man, like, like... Opening your show with that—that that, that was my problem. You hit that was look. But, if they put that wait, in the wait, middle, wait, wait, yes, wait. But but you could also say, open it with that and get it out of the way, and done right. Uh, because there, there was part of that. Like it's like it's at least they got it out of the way and then got onto the 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 real stuff. But it just 
all this time we waited for this show to have it open with GTA Five just felt so weird. That's you know, if we were in a meeting right now and we had any sort of say and we were going back and forth, I I totally get the philosophy of just get it the hell out and done. But you know, I think I would have fought and said, You can't this is PlayStation Five first impression, you can't open with GTA 5 no way which leads me to a question I have for you putting uh, you know we always love talking about money because we don't have any do you think Rockstar had to pay for that spot that high up that long in there or am I or am I crazy no I said like I said I I I I do think that it was a case of this has to be the first thing Mm -hmm. because you have to get out of the way because you can't have an event that's showcasing all these new games for PS5 and then have GTA 5 in the middle of those. Like you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But they, I think it is you had to do that first. If if you're going to do it it has to be first. Said it's 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 the band-aid, right? The band-aid has to come off. And and as weird as it felt having that be the thing that opens your show about PlayStation 5, that that's that's the only place it could have been. So. Hmm. Well, that aside, um I mean, do you want me to just get to let the cat out of the bag? You, you want to know my biggest problem with the whole thing? You want sure. me to just start with the negative? I had one big problem. There really wasn't anything that they shown. And I and correct me if I'm wrong. There's two or three more showcases coming this summer. Is that correct? For a PS5? Yes, yes. Boy, I don't know about that. I, am I just making stuff up tonight or what's going on? I said, I, I know, I know... Microsoft has yeah. I, I might be making talking out. out my ass. I I'm gonna lowball it. I thought Sony. Hold on, this is gonna ball because this is very important. Okay, I'm on and we'll look it up. So I'm under the impression that Sony was gonna have at least another one, if not two. Showcase, yeah, but yes, because they still have to go over price. We still didn't get well, price. Well, yeah, but I, I don't we, think that's coming summer. I think I think they're going to keep pushing that back. Well, I, think, I tell you what, then then it's even worse because if that's the case, I'll go. I, I could have sworn there was more coming, and I've been saying that there's more coming. So I'm there. Maybe there is, but I, I don't. I don't yeah, but, know offhand that there is anything else for my, a while. My biggest problem as of right now is. They don't have a single stellar goddamn game ready for launch. I mean, that's the kind of thing That's that... the killer question. Okay, well, okay, the the argument becomes <clears throat> is is Spider-Man Oh, Molly. Ho- wait, wait, wait. Molly. Is Spider-Man Holiday 2020 because that's the only date they're giving the PS5 so far? Oh my god. Hmm. But beyond beyond that, Horizons twenty twenty one. I I was hoping by some act of God that and and here's the thing: when I make the statement, I'm going to make this isn't. I don't think this would get mainstream. I, we're not talking some sort of Nintendo type thing. I felt for the hardcore, you know, Sony gamer. I felt if they could get Horizon out at launch, that would be their killer app. That would be their killer app. I mean, for 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 the small production amount that they would get, so people got something good at launch, I thought that would be their pick. 
And that's not even going to... And look, I'm not mad at the developers because the, st- the scope of that game is going to be incredible. This is how I had convinced myself before I heard 2021. If you want me to be honest with you, someone on the Sony page in the comments, and I don't buy this, they said 2022. So I'm going to make believe it's 2021. I mean, one of the games was 22. Yeah, the the Capcom one. The Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, pay, yes. Pay or, or, uh, what, oh god what's it called pragmata or whatever yeah it is. you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so i convinced myself saying you know what playstation 4 launched with the kill zone by guerrilla games and then kill zone didn't get their next killer title out of which and it took longer because it was a brand new franchise from the ground up uh it took Almost four years into the cycle, we got Horizon, and a lot of people consider Horizon their best effort, uh, all that kind of stuff. So I said, you know what? They're probably one of the first companies to get PS5 dev kits. It's going to be very tight. It's a sequel. They'll have maybe had it in development or from you know, f- you know know from the start, maybe three, three and a half years by the time it comes out once again for a game of that scope. It's going to be very tough. They might have Horizon ready for launch. They don't. I, I, I guess the question is: is are are they not showing games where they don't have certainty about launch day yet? But here's the thing: like, like maybe they don't know what the launch lineup is. I mean, Jesus Christ! PS2, what was it in Japan? We had Tekken Tag Tournament and Ridge Racer Five. And was it Fantavision? Was and fan, thank you. And yeah. Fantavision. Yeah. And I was dumb enough to import one and get Tekken Tag. I had to wait a month after launch. I mean, we are really scraping the barrel here. I mean, we don't even have Tekken Tag and Ridge Racer Five. I, I, we yeah, don't I even think... have Stray by Annapurna, which I'm looking <clears throat> forward to. Well, I mean, and and like, I don't think <clears throat> I don't know that Sackboy is going to be there. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think Astrobot is going to be on every console, so that's going to be there for sure. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, what do you mean every console? It doesn't that come like pre pre installed? Oh, I didn't know that. I think I think what 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 was it called? Yeah, I know, uh, I, and I and I'm actually interested in that because I'm familiar with the VR game, and the VR game was uh, outstanding. I, I think it's coming pre installed. Yeah, it's Is pre-installed Astro's in Playroom. Consoles. Yeah, the new oh, one. I yeah. Oh, it's not a full blown game. I don't think it is. Oh. So I think it's gonna be like like what was uh, yeah I know uh, the playroom wasn't there on something PS4? that came the yeah, playroom whatever yeah yeah, yeah. oh boy there, there's your there's your launch game wow yeah Jesus. I, I think like, like I mean Molly how do you say how do you sell this thing at this point like the, I'm I, look I'm excited for PS5 I'm excited for the future of it because I'm a gamer and I'm excited for next generation gaming what they're gonna be able to do I'm there. How can you sell this thing in November? You don't have any goddamn games. Well, I think, and look, at the end of the day, I know they don't have to, right? I mean, they could they could announce price and launch on up the day before the PS5 comes out, and they'd sell all the consoles still. Do you think so but, right now during a, during a pandemic? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No matter what, they'll sell, they'll sell everything at launch. At launch, I think. Um. But I am, I am legitimately, like, I am legitimately frustrated by what sony's been doing just because like at this point we should we should know a date or we should know a price or we should like 
like uh, you know their their biggest reveal was what the console looks like mm. and that's that's not no, like they think they think they're apple except they're not apple right they're not and well and that's the problem too is like everybody's getting like apple where they think okay we'll just announce price and date you know yeah that's that's a, the apple does a apple month before and that, it comes yeah out. That, that's right. apple that's whatever it is you're not apple right so i i am legitimately getting frustrated by sony's handling of this i agree and, and it like i sh- we should know more at this point and the fact that we don't know and you, and, and you could yep. say okay you can say <clears throat> all right xbox hasn't revealed price and date either right but like one of the first things they showed us was what the console looks like yes Yep. They get that out of the way. Yep. Like, here's the console. Yep. We know it's an exciting reveal, but we also know it's not something we should be keeping under wraps for months and months and months. You know, mm-hmm. here's the console. Here's the controller. Mm-hmm. All right, and 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 they have regularly given us updates, and and so at least with Series X, like I know almost everything to expect. Right? Okay, we still have no idea what PS5's backward compatibility is like. We don't know. We've seen one example. We've seen Spider-Man running on a PS5. I think we saw it, or did we? Did we even see that, or was that just people saying that they had seen it? But no, they like showed we, they showed like a clip. It could have been in an engine or something. Yeah, well, we, yeah, we, we, we've yeah. still gotten no real concrete information on how PS4 games are going to play on PS5. <clears throat> which games are going to get upgrades? Which games aren't? We have no idea if PS3 is going to be there, PS2 is going to be there, PS1 is going to be there. Like, there's all these different things that we still don't know about the system. And, and it's just, like, it's frustrating because, like, we should have known more of that. Like, like this at this point in the PS4's life, we, we knew price and we knew date, didn't we? I mean, we knew price at least. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, we're we're end of June, July, August, September, October. Four and a half months that thing is supposed to be out. Four to four and a half months. It's supposed to be on shelves to buy. And the Spider-Man game is uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yeah. Um, is it long at all? Is Insomniac Games and Sony have confirmed that the time... I'm getting this off uh, Google search, so this is from Games Radar that I never go on. It says uh, they've confirmed that the title will be a PS5 launch game releasing in the holiday 2020 period. But did they confirm launch? Well, that, launch look, uh, look, this is coming from right. Games Radar dated June 12th, so dated a week ago. That could be bullcrap, but that's what it says. I mean, I feel like I feel like it's launch window, but I don't know if they've even confirmed it's being. But I said again, they might be saying holiday twenty twenty because they're not giving a date, right? Yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. Like, I mean, I I know there's a lot of question marks right now, and I know price is a big concern. I know release is a big concern. I know how many consoles they can have ready for launch is a big concern. But I, 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 I feel like the, the game of chicken going on right now, mm-hmm. it's like... It's getting too close. Just stop. And and like I said, to give Microsoft a little bit of credit, I I think they're playing chicken with with price. Mm-hmm. I think they're absolutely playing that with price. But otherwise, like, I feel like they've just been giving us information. It, it, it might be in, in steps to keep us interested, but they're giving us stuff, you know? Yeah. 
They're not, it's it's, I, the, I, I it's just, almost as stupid as the modern day thing, the joke that goes around with video game reveals and stuff where it's like that you get a trailer these days announcing the official trailer release right. of a game. It's, it's so stupid. Right. You get you the teaser for the teaser. Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. Hmm. It is. I mean, it's 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 yeah. The the world we're in is just so awful at this point. It's in stupid. terms of like, of, I mean, God, I remember. I remember there was a point in one of the Batman Arkham games where literally, like every week there was like two new trailers coming out for the game, <laughs> and because because we were doing news stories on it, and it's just right. like just at a certain point, it's just like just stop. All right, you know, we've they've got, gotten so desperate to keep feeding us these little bits of information. Mm-hmm. About these things it's just like just show us the show us the console give us a price or give us a date you know if you don't want to give us both of those that's fine but give us one of them at this point hmm. i don't know it's like i like i i'm excited for it but i'm also just like i can't be too excited yet just because sony has said so little about this console I mean, the only reason I'm interested in it is because, you know, I'll want at some point a next generation console. But right now, you know, well, here's the thing. The what's the saying? The 500 pound elephant in the room, you know, the the elephant that both Sony. See, here's the deal. Sony and Microsoft are in there. They're, we're all thinking like gamers right now. We're all in that video game bubble in how we're talking and how we're thinking and how you think that Sony's going to sell out their consoles no matter what. We're thinking from the gamer's mind that the system can launch with nothing and it's going to sell. Well, there's a problem. Besides the world events, something called the Switch. (laughs) And everybody and their old lady has bought a Switch this year. (laughs) That is a very serious problem if you're Sony and my, and look, there can be the argument that it's different demographic, it's different market. Yeah, a little bit of that is that is true. But how many of those families or kids that need a little help from their parents? I keep saying this, but it's the world we live in under the circumstances of the struggles that many people are going through right now. If you just got a switch in Animal Crossing, what are your odds of getting a brand new $500 console in four months? Well, let me be clear. Let me be clear. I think I think the initial wave is going to sell out because the hardcore are going to uh, buy it. Uh, but yes. but, but I, I think you do have a good point that what is adoption going to be like in the early days because of you know of of the switch and of the current consoles and i mean good strategy or bad strategy all of microsoft's initial lineup of of games are going to be on both the old and new xboxes mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. there's there, there's still some big games coming out um like cyberpunk and stuff like that for the old consoles so i i definitely think you're not going to have this necessary mad rush to upgrade, but I think launch day consoles will sell out. But I think past that is when the question comes in of like, what's the ter- what's the ter- you know what's the mark going to be for the next year? Like first quarter twenty twenty one, second quarter twenty twenty one. 
I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, Switch came out halfway through the cycle and that could have potentially been really harmful around this point in time, showing its age and lack of power. And the 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 oddest thing has happened where the pandemic has not that the switch wasn't selling it's like added this extra life coinciding with animal crossing where it's like nintendo's timing now couldn't have been any better yeah but but you know um i know i'm concerned it's like a total xbox fan here like I think you also have to give them credit for their position because, you know, if if you're if you're somebody who's looking like if you don't have one or both of the current consoles yet and you are wanting something new in gaming wise, I also think picking up a cheaper Xbox One and having Game Pass like that's a oh yeah I didn't even think of that yeah really really good yeah option to go for so mm. I I think between the Switch and Xbox One having Game Pass like. There are some completely viable options for if you're wanting new gaming experiences without having to jump into next gen yet. For like for like cheaper prices. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see, you know. And and the thing is, is Microsoft has positioned themselves where even if Series X isn't selling great at first, like anybody jumping in the Game Pass is, right. is making them money. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because I've been blabbing about PS5. I've said a lot of what I felt I need to say, but what was striking to you? Was there anything of interest to you as the PS5? Anything more positive than what I've had to say? I mean, Stray. I'm really interested in Stray. Stray looks really neat. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool idea. Um, of course, we, we finally, years and years of teasing and rumors, we finally got the Demon's, uh, Demon's oh. Souls mm-hmm. uh, remake. I am very excited for that but i'm also uh a little cautious just because from software isn't doing it oh i didn't know that you, you know it's it's a blue point who did the for example like the shadow of the colossus remake on ps4 and and they are experts at, at bringing old games back so on a technical level i think they're going to do a great job but i'm i'm I guess what you could say is if you kind of look at what happened with the Dark Souls remaster and there were some things where the team doing that thought that they were making the game better, but in doing so, they kind of lost some of the the artistic style of From Software. Mm-hmm. So I I do have worry about how the game's going to turn out. It's it's a weird situation because it's, it's it's like you've got a company who didn't make the first game than putting their own spin on that game. You know, it's it's almost it's almost like a cover song, mm-hmm. right? And and so it's going to be different, but is it going to be a good different or a bad different? Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to see it, but we have to see, you know, how it's going to turn out. Um, and I think that the big thing was, of course, Resident Evil Eight, which I didn't like Seven, so I don't expect I'll like Eight. <laughs> But. Yeah, my my problem here is this. Look, Resident Evil 8 visually and all that stuff looks great. Okay. I'm sure the game is going to be good. The reason I sound so excited right now is because Resident Evil 2 and 3 were so good finding that sweet spot between old and new. And then correct me if I'm wrong. 
did I dream this up or aren't Platinum Games doing the Resident Evil 4 remake? I don't know. I heard Platinum's doing it. I mean, I know this rumor is that either my source, either I need to learn how to read again for the next episode (laughs) of Generic Video Game Podcast or I need to get my head examined. I could have sworn I saw that about a Mm. month ago. So I'm going to have to look that up. But anyway, uh, let's make believe Resident Evil 4 isn't happening, which it is. Resident Evil 2 and 3, they hit that sweet spot so well. It's very challenging for me to get any sort of excitement for Resident Evil 8. Well, what's what's funny is, in a kind of different way, is I think I would have been mad about RE8 just because I really don't like the first person direction they're going mm-hmm. with, with the series and mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the different style. And, you know, it's going to have werewolves in it now, which is really weird. Oh, Jesus. But because Capcom gave me Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 remakes. Yeah. Like, I'm totally fine with this. You know, is is if we'd only gotten RE7 and then RE8, I would have been upset as a Resident right, Evil fan. Right, right. But given they gave us two fantastic remakes, like, I have no problem with this. And for the people who like that new style of RE, you know, have, have fun. Like, and I'll, I'll try it, but right. I don't have the, the, you know, feelings of missing out that I would have had if RE2 and 3 hadn't been there. So if Capcom keeps that up and where they're like, okay, here's your new style RE and then we'll go back to the old style for those kind of fans and then go back and forth. I'm totally fine with that. Like I can wait, no problem at all, you know, if they keep doing that. So so RE8 might not be for me, but I also have no problem with it existing. Um, I'm confused. I, I ha- it's bothering me. I had to look up Resident Evil Four Remake. If you look, it's it says the remake is being developed by the Osaka-based M hyphen Two T W O, which has been preparing for the project since 2018. Right. I think that's the group that did RE Three. Where did I? What? Why did I dream up Platinum Games being involved? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Platinum. Well, so, okay, so it's it's supposedly it's headed by an ex-Platinum boss. So somebody who is at Platinum is heading... Oh, that's... That's... Tetsuya Minami, that's right. And it's comprised of many... Okay. And it's comprised of many former employees of Capcom and Platinum. Yeah. That's where I pieced that together. That's right. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. Well, okay. That was going to bother me. But yeah, but back on the RE8 topic. um, Hey, are you as stupid as me? When the RE8 trailer started for a moment, I thought it was possibly going to be Silent Hill. I, I, I had no inklings is me silent hill but i'm trying to remember what i did think it was but i, I think i i had seen enough rumors about the village um that i put it together pretty quickly uh but no i i did not get any i i did not have any idea that it was silent hill 
I felt that for a few seconds, and then I convinced myself before the trailer even unveiled what it was. I was then absolutely convinced it was not Silent Hill. I mean, I know, Be- I know, others did, uh, others did share that thought though. Oh, I didn't know. Well, uh, well, I'll tell you, well, I didn't know yeah. that. But what what made me reverse my decision so quickly was the soundtrack that they were. I said, "This is way. This isn't." I made. A, I was telling someone, "This is not dreary enough." I said, "The Silent Hill. You know, the music should make you want to kill yourself." <laughs> and I said this was way too uh like dramatic. So right. yeah. But um Well okay, so so the big thing, the big thing, uh-huh. obviously. The 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 big part of this event, the final thing we got, the reveal of the system. Um it is striking to put it nice. <laughs> uh <laughs> What, where where do you stand on the on the console? I don't hate it. Um, I think it has a. I, I felt my knee jerk reaction. It was a very sleek, futuristic look. Which, if you were to talk about the year two thousand or twenty twenty, like in the nineteen seventies or nineteen eighties, and you're like flying cars and <laughs> electronics, I'm like, you know, that kind of fits the bill. My next statement I put on social media, some on Facebook, was, uh, you know, I thought I, I felt that the jap the look of the Japanese consoles of the eighties and nineties, and I put in parentheses, not all were great, but that era that I love and that look of console is gone, and I need to stop living in the past. And it's never going to happen again. I'm going to steal a term from you that I'm going to use for PS5 that you used for PS4. So I'm going to steal when we had this. It was so weird. We had a conversation about the systems like a year. I don't know when it was. You said at least with the PS4 they tried. (laughs) I'm going to say with the PS5 I thought that was very fitting comments. I felt with the PS5, Sony tried. So, like I said, I don't hate it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I feel like the designers with the PS5 and even with the PS4, I really do think to their credit, they really wanted to offer something different, maybe something we haven't really quite seen before. I know there are people hitting their keyboard right now, sending me photos of routers and. Um, you know other electronic devices throughout the house, which look identical to the PS5, or or Yu-Gi-Oh characters. Oh, yeah, I, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, I really do feel they were trying, no pun intended, to think outside the box to offer something different. But I also think there's something that needs to. You know, this is the other thing I said to myself to convince myself of this. You know, I think when you look at a lot of your classic consoles of like your Famicom, your Super Famicom, your Super Nintendo, your Mega Drive. You know, are we at a point with electronics where, you know, when you bought something like that years ago, uh, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, I'm going to keep this forever. Or like, you know, this is like your special purchase. You know, you're not thinking in the mindset of like in five years, you're going to get rid of it, sell it. You don't want it anymore like a smartphone. Are we at the point where these devices are now throwaway and we're not thinking long term and we don't care? 
because the design of, of a lot of these modern systems is very um, disappointing. And what happened to true and tried or a level of simplicity, simplicity or beautiful design, you know, it may not be the most obscure or thinking outside the box, but what happened to having a nice looking piece of hardware? You know, I mean, it's 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 funny. <clears throat> I don't know we've ever had a generation where the two main competitors will be as different in terms of visual That's style. A, yeah, because Microsoft's like here have a black box. <laughs> just mm-hmm. here's a box. There you mm-hmm. go. That there's your system kit, and and Sony's like here's this artistic monstrosity. Find somewhere to put it. Um. You know, like, I, I made fun of Series X a lot when it was first revealed, because I thought it was just a dumb design, mm-hmm. but I've come to kind of appreciate it, Well, and and I, I think I think I do still, I, I, I think I like Series X better, just because, and I know everything you just said is totally true, and I, I agree with what you just said, but I kind of appreciate that they're just giving me a black box to stick somewhere. That goes back to kind of what I said in a way. Like, you know what? Sony got too cute. Yeah. It kind of goes like, back to the simplicity. You know, it may not have had the highest level of thought put into the Xbox Series X, but now with what they're up against, it's, um, you know, is it one of those things in time where the PlayStation 5 will be appreciated? Uh, Modern Vintage Gamer did a discussion on this last week. You know, is it one of those things like the PS3 in hindsight? It has arguably more appreciation than it did in 2006. Uh, that's possible, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, once again, I don't hate it. Do I wish it was something different? Yes, but I don't hate I, it. I don't. I. I. I don't hate it. I. I hate the fact that that and some somebody I know Kyle Boston pointed this out. I hate the fact that it's very obvious that the the true version of the PS5 is the digital version. I, I, tell, you know what? That didn't bother that, me as much, but a lot of people were saying that because of the drive. Uh, yeah. You you can tell that that was the one they wanted to make, and then they they're like, well, okay, now let's just slap a disc drive on it, um, and which you can tell because if you put it horizontally, then the disc drive becomes kind of hard to access, which is really weird. Uh, like if it was like half the size, I I think I would like it more. If if there were certain design changes to it, I think I would like it more. But it's just it's. It's just the case of like so when when Series X was revealed, my thought was where am I going to put this? Mm-hmm. You know, and I had I kind of started thinking about like how I would position it and, and and where I could put it in my in my world in my you know little contained universe here in terms of like which TV and what where where around the TV I put mm-hmm. it underneath or next to and like I'm having that conversation times ten with the PS5. I think I have to. I, I'm gonna shoot. It. I think I have the box up, or I got to make a choice. I'm <clears> probably gonna box up my Xbox One temporarily, which is crazy because I have so much great. I I, I got to see. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm yeah, in the same and, boat as you. And I know people will will criticize me for saying this, but I kind of feel like I'm at the point of being an adult where I I don't want something that looks like that next to my TV. Mm-hmm. I kind of think like if again if it was half the size i think you could i agree it even changes the design um 
impression because if it was more compact and smaller you'd be like oh you know what they were able to do this with this design it's cute or it's smaller right. but it's a big honking slab but because even if you look back at the ps3 like the original ps3 mm-hmm. it was huge mm-hmm. but i think that if you put it next to a tv it could just look like a some sort of technical component like it could look like a dvd player you know it could look like a, a, a blu-ray player like Again, I, I I know people are gonna hate this, but as an adult now, I I just I feel like I could put the Series X next to my TV, and people would see it and they would think in their mind, you know, like Alexa or wireless speaker or you know uh, uh, Apple's speaker thing, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it wouldn't stick in their brain for more than a few seconds. They would see it. It looks kind of like something they would see in their daily life, and they would not think about it again. Whereas a PS5 is this thing that just draws everybody's attention because it's big and it's designed that certain way, and and it just is sticking out like a sore thumb. And and I know a lot of people don't care about that aspect, but I kind of do, you know. So I kind of want something like my game room. It's one thing. Like, my office, it's one thing. But in the living room, where people are going to be, we're going to have company over, you know, we're going to keep things kind of nicer and, and more stylish and, and, and less cluttered. Like, I I can feel okay putting a Series X out there next to the TV. I, I just can't put that thing. <laughs> in, in, in its current form, you know. Right. Where, whereas, I feel like the PS4 could totally go there. Mm-hmm. And it did. Like I like my last place we were living, the PS4 was always right next to the TV because it, again, it's a thing that it blends in. You know, it it blends into the environment. It doesn't stand out. It doesn't like catch your attention for very long, and you just see it and just don't think about it. You know, like I don't want something that's looking to, you know, grab everybody's attention in in, in, the, in the in the in the room. Let me ask you this. Uh, speaking of the design and the disk drive and all that stuff, do you think this time now, for real, this generation, do you think this is finally the last time we even get the option of a disk drive? I, I, I think the problem with that is it comes to other countries. Okay. You know, I, I think... Because we're at the point now, I think, was like 50-50 sales-wise. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, getting, it's getting close, yep. Yeah, like, I think, I feel like you have to have... The option. Some option there. But I do think... And, and somebody else brought this up, and I don't remember who it was. And it was an interesting theory to me. Is <clears throat> somebody said that they think the digital version is going to be the more expensive version. So, you know, this well, is well, so... Wait, wait, we, no, I no. Be- I, someone brought this up to me too, and I, I have to give this guy credit. Can I, I, I'm going to guess. I know where you're headed with this. Okay. I have to give credit okay. to Neil. Are they speculating that the digital is more expensive due to the pricing of this type of solid state drive in there? Well, so the idea is that the the digital would have like double the storage. Yeah, 
And the idea is that Sony makes more money off of the digital games being sold. So the one that they would want to push more would be the one that is all digital because they make more money off of it. So they put more storage into it. They encourage you to buy digital games more, you know, and that they, that's the one they want to push as the quote-unquote real. Again, again, design-wise as well. They want to push the, the digital version as being the, the quote-unquote real PS5, hmm. whereas the other one is kind of the lower hmm. tier, going to have Le- less space, it's less stylish, and so on. I'm pretty confident I'm going to go with the drive, but let me ask you, which one are you doing? I, I feel like I couldn't not get the drive. Like, I'm yeah. somebody who, who most of my games are digital at this point. Yeah. But but I am also that person. To have that, that option. If there's a game I really, truly love, yeah. I want a physical copy as kind of like backup. Sure. To know that... If anything happens, I still own that game. You've got something, even if it, yeah. At least you've got something, so to so, speak. So I mean, like, like my I, what I have physical for PS4 might be like a tenth of what I actually own digitally. Mm-hmm. But those are games that are very important to me and that I want backup for. Hmm. So yeah, like I don't, I don't feel like I could. I mean, I could totally if if somebody just gave me one, I could totally do it. Right. But, in my choosing, I would want the disc version. Hmm. Speaking of, um, uh, oh, let me ask you this: I want to—I don't want to be rude. Do you have anything else to say on the PS5 showing? No, I mean there were some other neat stuff there, but like, I mean, it did what it needed to do, but it still up with was a lot of answer questions unanswered. So, well, remember, fans, the PlayStation Five is going to be the most powerful, the most awesome gaming console this holiday season. Except, you won't have any new or exclusive games to play with it for a while, as it's going to launch with absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> um, that aside. Uh, speaking of your collection and wanting to have a, a drive, I think this kind of parlays into it. What are your thoughts, your feelings? You going to give a chance to 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which got announced for Western release on September 8th? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've not played it. I, I know people who have played it and have given it rave reviews. Um, I'm always interested in Vanillaware stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a game we've been waiting for a long time on, so I'm glad to see that it finally came out and it's coming to the West. So, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah, it'll launch with a Japanese uh, voice, English subtitle, English patch to come later for English voice acting. Uh, I did a bit more homework on it recently. Um, This is one of the games I'm actually going to do it from Best Buy Online. And um, I love the, well, look, I love all the Vanillaware art. Let's make this very clear. I love their art style, period. But I extra love this one because of the sci-fi look to it and you know the the trailer i watched a few times i went back and looked at some japanese stuff i read some wikipedia stuff not like spoilers but giving me like the synopsis of what's going on i gotta tell you oh and by the way i don't know if you know this the setting of the game while it's you know sci-fi kind of futuristic with kaiju did you realize it takes place in the 1980s i did not i I didn't know know that. that either yeah. With that said, do you know what this game reminds me a lot of? 
uh, in terms of okay, let me let's let me get this right. In my opinion, and I haven't really seen anyone else say this shockingly, it really looks like it's trying to be okay. I'm gonna I'll let you guess. There's a certain major anime of which I feel this seems to be influenced heavily and is trying, you know, it's trying to be its own thing, but I feel like it's trying to capture this audience and portray this in video game form. I mean, my initial assumption was Evangelion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I really got that uh, feeling from it, especially when I started to read about the era of the game and dealing with the mecha and kaiju, um, and then the he- the 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 heavy heavy focus on story. Um, but yeah, I, I but the actual art style, like the I, I don't know if it's fair to call it sprite work, but the the two D the two D look of it, it it looks incredible from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I. I I'm glad they're keeping 2D alive, like proper 2D, and um, yeah, I'm and it's it's gonna be interesting since it's a visual novel, which is kind of a different uh, take for Vanillaware. But I I know like Yokotaro says it's one of his favorite games ever. I think is what he said, and, oh. and somebody else gave really? it like really high praise. Really. So I know a couple of of bigger Japanese developers like really really love it. Wow. I'm willing to play ball with this game, uh, with the visual novel aspect, as, and I'm assuming because of how long this game was in development, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of like different varied 2D backdrops and characters. Is I'm, I'm hoping that's fair to say. I mean, I, I think the idea was that you play as the different characters. Like you can pick. That's right. The 13 stories. Story that's lines. right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I've kind of purposely not looked into it very much because well, I want to go into it kind of fresh. But I I had to because the the combat was bothering me, and I had to learn why they did this choice or what. That this is what really made me go down the rabbit hole. I'll also say something funny that nobody else said. Every time I see that overhead map with the battle and stuff, you know, I don't know why, but it reminds me of like the. The old school, like the Persona or Shin Megami Tensei uh, city map. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I, you know what I'm talking about. It reminds me of that, but um, but yeah, the, the game looks beautiful for what it is. I was kind of interested to get your take on it. I, I obviously don't know this, but I would assume you're probably going to wind up reviewing that one, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 assuming so. Yeah. So. Well. Hopefully. Well, shoot, uh, we are coming in on two hours here. I know for you, uh, it's got to be, what, past midnight? Yep. So, all right, well, I won't keep babbling. Um, I am, I'm glad we got together tonight. This is episode 40 of GVGP. Uh, it's only been a couple months since our last show, so we are staying a little bit more on target. And then I know we always say this, but uh, you maybe want to try and record again within the next uh, two, three weeks, maybe, well, maybe so, the next few so weeks. so quick... Quick, since we promised at the beginning of the show, yeah, re- real quick, TurboGrafx sixteen mini. What what do you think? Oh, uh, no, you know what? I put that in there for you because we've talked about oh. it in the past. I've watched <laughs> the Japanese unboxings. I threw that in there really quick because I believe you have finally officially got your hands on the American release. 
Yep, I played the, I got the American one, I got the Japanese one, I got my Turbo Tap and some extra controllers. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's one of the best minis out there in terms of the effort's been put into it. Not perfect. Not perfect. Still has um, <clears throat> some audio and a little bit of controller lag issues. I know Lords of Thunder plays a little rough to me. I know some people have said that they, they can get along with it just fine. Other people have said that it's 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 too laggy for them. Uh, most of the games are fine, though. If I think if you don't nitpick it, it's a fantastic system. And I am very excited to hack it apart at some point soon and put more games on it. But I, 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 think, I think out of all the minis that have come out, I think this is by far, relative to the consoles, the best library a mini has ever had. Mm. And in terms of the money it can save you from trying to get a real collection, it's ridiculous. Wow. Awesome. Well, somewhere down the road, I'd like to. I'd like to get a crack at one. But uh, yeah, I wanted to throw that in you, there. Now, now, to be fair, oh. Anthony, you did get some sort well, of thing. A very special person in my life sent me a surprise a couple weeks ago. A very pleasant surprise. I got one of the Neo Geo minis, and I love it. It's an awesome piece. Uh, it was. It was. It was legitimately a surprise. And the very special person in my life is right next to me, virtually over these <laughs> computer airwaves. The one and only Molly. So, to, to to be fair, it was on sale, so I I, I didn't know the pocketbook too much, but. Um, so it's it's uh it's great as a fun little desktop item, uh not so great hooking up to a TV. <laughs> no, but yeah, but with, with this one, so here's the deal: it's totally fine because I have so many of the Neo Geo titles on the major console. So this is an awesome uh, piece, and um, I mean, like I said, like you you initially think it's going to be awful to play games on that small of controllers, but something about using that little unit with its built-in screen and everything. Like it's it's kind of neat, isn't it? Yeah, and and the thing is, is with the exception of the now PC Engine, that was the only the Neo Geo one was the only other one that I wanted in my minis collection that I did not have. So excluding the PC Engine, um, I now have the Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and now the Neo Geo. So uh, I can't complain. So it's it's yeah. a it's a beautiful piece to have. I like its its uniqueness, its originality. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yep, that was a nice surprise. So I'm getting spoiled here on yeah. GVGP episode forty. And when we come back next show, I will have actually played the Sam Show collection. Oh, um, so we can talk about that. Uh, but that's, mm. that's very exciting for a few reasons that mm-hmm. that. Uh, we will talk about more once I've have, I've played it. It will be the perfect conversation. Yep. <laughs> well, once again, Molly, thank you. And more importantly, thank you to the fans for hanging in there with us. We hope everyone is safe. They haven't gone crazy, at least yet. Hope you're enjoying what you can of the GVGP. And once again, as always, until next time. <laughs>